I want to eat him for lunch too, boss. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that there are two spiritual entities watching every move you make? We're going to be reading from 1 Peter 5, verses 5 to 9, and we're picking up in the verse right after where Chuck left off. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, you watch over your word, and I ask that you would help me just to say what you want to say and to not say what you don't want to say. Amen. So we have both the God and the devil watching us and responding to us on how we behave. And the devil wants to slip us up and absolutely destroy us. And God wants to be there at every moment to help us. In second in first Peter five, five to nine, Paul is writing to a persecuted church. These are people who've lost some of their leaders, they've been imprisoned, their houses are being taken away, their finances are compromised. And this letter is being spread out to several amongst the persecuted churches in Asia Minor. It's written about 64 AD, we believe from Rome, and it's also believed that Titus and John Mark may be with Peter in Rome. This happens to be the same time Paul is imprisoned in Rome, and they may possibly be visiting him. We're going to be looking at three things today. We're going to be looking at what God, how God wants to provide for us, how God wants to promote us, and three, how God wants to protect us in these five verses. First Peter 5, 5-9. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, for God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him, because he cares for you. Love that part. Be of sober spirit. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Now one of the pivotal verses that summarizes the book of 1 Peter, I believe, is found in the verse right uh, before where Charles started. It's at the end of chapter 4 in verse 19. It says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. And Peter is encouraging these individuals to not throw in the towel despite persecution, but to remain faithful to their commitment to Christ. And when we look at the verses 5 to 9, in those five verses we have 14 different verbs. A lot of them are put in pairs, and most of them are imperative commands. So for Peter, he's really telling them, guys, it's serious. You need to do these things. And he starts off with... Um, being subject to your elders, being subject to one another, and clothing yourself with humility. So he's talking about having both a relationship with 
the body of Christ in subjection to one another, horizontally and vertically, having a relationship with God that's one of walking in humility. And then he also repeats that again by quoting Proverbs 3, 23, um, saying that God is opposed to the proud but gives grace to the humble, so he's encouraging them to be humble again. And now he's given us two ways of responding, subjection and humility. And he's, then Peter gives us two ways that God responds to us. He's either going to oppose us or he's going to give grace to us. Now when I think of that opposition, I think of myself, sometimes I have a tendency to be a little pig-headed because I want to do something and I want to do it my way and I'm going to get it done. So I was trying to install this shower door once that made up the partial wall of my bathtub jutting out from the wall and supporting the curtain rod. And it was in an old apartment, 1950s, yellowing plexiglass, and I wanted a clear glass that let the sunlight in like I had in my previous apartment, which was just down the street. I saw when they were remodeling it, they were throwing out the old glass. So I asked if I could have it with the thought of replacing the old frame with the old frame. But it had fallen out of its frame. I had to take it out of the glass. I ended up breaking the plexiglass. I cut my hand. I'm doing this in the middle of the night. The, the rubber ribbing turns into powder. And I keep insisting I'm going to do it my way and not ask for help. It, kind of like if a, a guy driving with his wife and he refuses to stop to ask for directions. <laughs> Eventually, I, I try to get the new glass in there, and I'm still three inches short, and I can't fill the gap. And finally, I, I just give up. I call the maintenance supervisor the next morning, and I tell him, I've broken it. This is what I've done. I've got the replacement one here. I need help. And then he arranges for me to, to get it done by one of the, um, the remodelers that's working on site. It cost me $150, and then he tells me, look, if you would have told me first off, um, we probably could have gotten it for free. Because we already have the staff here on hand, and I'm like idiot, um, and that's and sometimes I think that's what it's like when we're resisting God or God is resisting us. We keep trying to plow ahead, and God keeps throwing up those roadblocks, and we don't pay any attention to the little red flags. And I think God was probably telling me from the very start to cast off my fear about talking to this guy because he's a very aggressive um, maintenance manager. So that's what opposition is like. Grace for me is like the father waiting for the prodigal son to come home and treating him with such grace when he does come home. And sometimes a passage reads when he saw him from afar off. I don't get the impression it's like, oh, just walking by the kitchen window. Oh, there's my son, way over there. I think it's more like, okay, is, is today the day? Is my son coming home? Where's he at? Oh, oh, there he is. So I get this impression that, that God is, is watching um, eagerly for us. Uh, my pastor, Daniel Hurd at Calvary Chapel, LAX, he has a habit of saying this thing that really warms my heart. He says, God is always looking for a chance to forgive us. And I guess that blows me away because when I sin, I'm like backing off from God. I'm ashamed, kind of like Adam, going to go hide myself in the jungle. you know. And, and God's like, Adam, where are you, buddy? Where are you at? And, and just that thought that God is always looking for the opportunity to forgive us. And he doesn't see, he sees sin in a number of different ways, but he wants us to know that his heart is to bring us back in and to forgive us and to eradicate that danger in our life. So now we've looked at um, 
how God provides for us, how he wants to provide for us. And that can be resistance and grace, and they both are intended to lead us back to him. So they're actually both good things, because God is always drawing toward himself. Verse 6, looking at how God promotes us. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that, may he, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Now, God's hand is mighty, and it's bigger, and it's better than the way we can do things. Again, Peter reminds us to humble ourselves, and he exalts us. When I'm using the word, he promotes us. He, he lifts us up. Sometimes he lifts us up to authority and to office, but often I think he lifts us up out of the miry clay and sets us on the rock. Or he, we're downcast, we're discouraged, we're depressed, and he lifts our head up to see more of him and less of ourselves. So he promotes us, he lifts us up. And then casting all our anxiety upon him because he cares for us. I always thought of the word cast like a fly fisherman. <laughs> you know, just this really passive, lackadaisical thing. And then there was this pastor who came and preached at our Sunday, um, at our uh, men's breakfast one morning. And he said, yeah, cast your cares upon God. It's like, God, you take it. I don't want it anymore. Here, you can have it. And Chuck, often in the, the Chuck blocks, mentions how when he was working with this property and the finances here, that he would go to God and say, God, I didn't pick this. You did. It's your problem. You take care of it. And so that's the way I see us casting our anxiety, casting our sin upon God. And then God, we've looked at how God wants to provide for us, how he wants to promote us, and then thirdly, how he wants to protect us. Verses 8 to 9. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren in the world. And again, Peter is giving us those command verbs again. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Be of sober spirit means to be sober-minded. And he's talking about what goes on inside us internally and how we manage our thought life. One example might be when I started from the back of the room and started talking, what were the first thoughts that ran through your head? Well, there's that actor again. <laughs> now what? Oh, this could be kind of cool. Let's see what happens. Can we just get this over? I need to fill out this critique form, get out of here, and get to work. God, I don't care who the messenger is. You have something in your word for me today, even if it isn't Sunday, teach me. Now, I've had all those thoughts run through my head, even worse, in a lot less polite form. <laughs> when I listen to other preachers. But he's, he's, Peter is telling us, watch what goes on in your head, guys. And then be on the alert. He's talking about everything that's external, so it's internal and external. He says, now there's going to be temptations out there that want to pull, your, pull you down, slip you up, and, and destroy you and mess you up. And in fact, Peter's even referring to the television program he used to watch on National Geographic Sunday night, where the lion is prowling through the, the um, African savanna, and he sees the gazelle. And you're wondering, is he going to chase the gazelle? You know, and the gazelle comes by and he chases it. Is he going to get the gazelle? He gets the gazelle. Is he going to eat the gazelle? Is the gazelle going to get away? Well, this is how the devil crawls about looking for someone to devour. And the um, uh, New King James Version says, someone 
uh, that he may devour. And I looked up the verb, and it's not subjunctive, it's not conditional, but it has more so the sense. The devil is hungry, he's out there, he is going to eat someone. Just make sure it isn't you, because he's going to do it. And you need to be as vigilant yourselves. Finally, he encourages the brethren again in verse 9, telling them to resist firm in their faith. And that resisting the devil means to not be lackadaisical about it, to not give in. Because when you give in, you agree with the Lucifer of Isaiah 12, who says, I will exalt myself above God. I will exalt myself above the heavens. And he's saying, guys, stay humble. Resist him. <laughs> and finally, know that your other persecuted brothers and sisters and churches are experiencing the same thing you are. And these guys are the same as us. They have jobs, they have families, they're plumbers, they're teachers, they're security guards, and they have names, like we have names. And some of their names are something like Lucero Alcaraz, or Trevin Aspatch, or Rebecca Carnes, or Quinn Cooper, Kim Dietz, Lucas Ebel, Jason Johnson, Serena Moore, or maybe even their teacher, Lawrence Levine, who was the head of the class of the students who got shot two and a half weeks ago in Oregon. They were part of the persecuted church. And the same type of persecution we're seeing is rising up now in America. So we're not all that far away from these guys in the first century. And so Paul is saying, look, don't throw in the towel. God is here to help you. He's here and wants to promote you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to protect you. But the only way you can receive all God has and wants to give you is to put yourself in proper position with him. Remain humble with him. Be in relationship with him and remain horizontally and subject to one another. Be part of the body of Christ. So what Paul, for what Peter is telling us that we can apply in our own lives today, is to fight the good fight of faith with the weapons of humility and subjection and relationship to God. Because the devil's out there. He wants to have you guys for lunch. Very good. Father God, anything that's of you, let it remain. Anything that's from the arm of the flesh, I ask that you cause it to dissipate in the mist. But let your word remain and work in our hearts. Amen. 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 All right. Good job. Good job. Awesome. Good job.